What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. And I must note, she's a former board member of my organization, the Better Government Association, which is you know the the lead advocate for openness in government. Um, for for this mayor to have this d- disappointing record is is really a, a surprise, um, and and it bespeaks, I guess, the pressures you face once you get into office. Uh, but uh, we would look for a lot better from her. Uh, we hope in the the second half of her term. Hi, everybody. I'm Fran Spielman. My guest this week is David Greising, president and CEO of the Better Government Association. And who better than you to assess Mayor Lori Lightfoot at midterm? David, thanks for joining us. Really glad to be with you, Fran. Thank you. Lori Lightfoot, Chicago's first openly gay and black female mayor, will arrive at midterm on May 20th, just one week from today. What are your initial thoughts as we approach that two-year anniversary of her historic inauguration? Well, when Lori Lightfoot first ran for mayor as a first-time politician who um, was best known for her work on the police board, uh, there was a lot of hope that she represented something new, not just the fact that, as you said, she was the first openly gay Black woman mayor, but that um, she might be a breath of fresh air. She might bring a new way of doing the work of the city. Uh, The big question was, did she have the executive management skill to run an enterprise as large as the city of Chicago? Did she have the people skills? Did she have the strategic thinking? Uh, Did she have the ability to follow through on what she promised, et cetera? And also in the mix was, Was she truly the sort of progressive that she sounded like she was uh, during the campaign? And um, the answer to those questions are are emerging, I think, and probably um, in many respects uh, in disappointing ways. And let's talk about disappointing ways. I have written that her greatest strengths, seemingly her greatest strengths, police reform and public safety, given her background, as head of OPS, as the police board president, as the co-chair of the task force on police accountability after the furor that followed the court-ordered release of the Laquan McDonald shooting video. Those seem to be her greatest strengths, and yet they have turned out to be her greatest weaknesses. Do you agree with that assessment? I I think one would be hard put to find reasons to disagree with that assessment. Um, The progress 
on policing so far has been utterly disappointing. And um, uh, now let's, in fairness, say that some of the challenges were beyond what her predecessors have faced, um, not just COVID, which complicates everything, but obviously the uh, the aftermath of the killing of George Floyd in Minneapolis. Uh, but there was hope that because she had an inside view as to what is wrong with the Chicago Police Department, uh, that she would have fixes in mind. And um, she doesn't appear to have fixes of her own, nor does her uh, new police chief, David Brown, uh, seem to have a strategy uh, that offers any hope that he really can fix this problem of um, of a high level of violent crime, of rogue policing. Um, uh, some of the videos that have come out have been very disturbing, obviously. Uh, and so it, it almost seems that we've made zero progress on addressing some of the serious problems facing the Chicago Police Department. Yeah, if you remember in her inaugural address, she promised safety and to bring that safety, that sense of safety that was driving families to leave Chicago if they could afford to, that she would bring that safety to every Chicago neighborhood and, and stop young people from growing up in trauma in African-American and Hispanic neighborhoods. And yet, look at the record, look at the shootings and the homicides and the looting and the carjackings and uh, the inspector general report that says that the Chicago police officers were undertrained, understaffed, unsupervised, and literally hung out to dry by their failures at the highest levels of that department. What has she done on the issue of public safety, where has she gone wrong? Well, it does appear that um, that the IG report really kind of told us what we suspected um, was a problem all along, that there was an utter lack of planning. Uh, it wasn't as if the George Floyd um, disturbances uh, came as a huge surprise. Um, it, this was this was a uh, really a, a terrifying read to see how uh, poorly planned the police response to those demonstrations and rioting and looting uh, that were masked by the righteous demonstrations that were going on uh, in the streets. And, and so that speaks to a lack of leadership, certainly at the level of the police superintendent. Um, she, uh, Lori Lightfoot, has stuck by David Brown, um, even though uh, by any measure, uh, we're not seeing progress uh, other than he does seem to have some support within the rank and file in the police department. Uh, but really, it, it has to rise higher than that because she's the one that that um, hired David Brown and she is, she's the one who is standing by him. And so when we see this utter lack of progress, um, 769 homicides in uh, 2020, the highest level in four years, uh, that that's a record that you don't want to repeat, and the progress and the the rate of homicides and violent crime so far this year indicates that it may even be getting worse. And would you say that David Brown is over his head? He's not showing any signs uh, that he's that he's really handling the job or making progress or doing something that predecessors uh, did not do. In fact. He's now deploying techniques uh, like a technology-driven approach, um, like send like 
focused area, you know, focused responses, et cetera. Some of this kind of flood the zone approach to uh, problem neighborhoods and corners, et cetera. This is a, a similar playbook to what some of his predecessors have used. And his whole idea of being uh, somebody who who could be what they call the guardian style uh, kind of neighborhood based policing where people police have credibility in the neighborhoods as opposed to the warrior style where the police come in as outsiders and enforcing the law. Um, his his guardian style just doesn't seem to have really taken root. And we're left now with more of the old fashioned warrior style of policing. And let's talk about police reform. We've had painfully slow progress on the consent decree that governs court oversight over the Chicago Police Department that followed the Justice Department's scathing report after the Laquan McDonald shooting. We also have no civilian police review, even though Lori Lightfoot promised it in 100 days, promised to empower that panel to hire and fire the superintendent to have the final say over police policy. Right. Well, that letter point, Fran, of course, is very important because whenever we talk about that promise that has not been fulfilled, it, of course, turns our attention to another promise on the elected school board. Um, now, I myself, based on the research I've done, don't believe that a fully elected school board is in the best interest of the school system in the city of Chicago. So I understand why Lightfoot has walked back that commitment. But when you make big commitments like that in a campaign, um, you ought, to, you ought to either stick to them or if upon taking office you decide it's really a bad idea, I think you owe a, a serious explanation to the voters uh, as to why circumstances are different than you thought and you need to change, change course. I don't, I'm okay with politicians after they learn something isn't what they thought it was, changing course. You wouldn't want them just pushing forward regardless. But we are owed an explanation of, of why the change of heart and um, and so the same kind of argument could be applied on the question of uh, of the mechanism in the police department. What is her explanation for why she has not delivered on that promise and does it make sense to voters? And on the issue of finance, she's got this one point nine billion dollar avalanche of federal stimulus funds coming from the federal government. She, that's on top of the first round of hundreds and hundreds of millions, but they're saying now it can't be used for debt reduction and that would nix her plan to use nearly half the new money to eliminate 465 million in scoop and borrowing and cancel plans to borrow 500 more million scoop and toss. So what progress has she made on finance? Well, I would have to say uh, that this is an area where you can say that Lori Lightfoot has done um, a pretty good job under extraordinarily challenging, difficult circumstances. I think she's got uh, good people in uh, um, uh, her on her finance team, and uh, you know, I, I have seen the. Um, uh, some of the materials that they presented just in the last few weeks to analysts and the feedback that has come out of their meeting with analysts, it does seem that uh, the the people, the professionals who monitor the city's performance on finances seem fairly comfortable with the work that she and her team are doing there. And so uh, that the question, the surprise coming out of the federal government as regards to the spending of some of these funds uh, is causing problems for her, for Governor Pritzker, for others. 
um, they're going to have to deal with this. I don't think that that problem is as big as it might at first appear to be, because money is is money is money. It's it's called fungible. You uh, th- if that money comes in, and you're told you can't spend it on something. You spend it on something else, and that frees up funds, and then you apply those freed up funds to uh, taking care of some of the uh, you know um, relieving some of that debt, paying off some of that debt, et cetera. So, I have a feeling that they're. Um, uh, they're going to be able to to work their way out of that without any really serious repercussions. But Lightfoot told investors last week that Chicago is on the road to solvency. She claimed that if not for the pandemic, the city would have a surplus. But in fact, she has balanced her two budgets with a host of gimmicks and one-time revenues, record TIF financing, shifting costs from the city to Chicago public schools, uh, you know, sweeping accounts. Things will not recur she has made zero progress on pension reform other than to get a casino. But meanwhile, police and fire pensions funds are teetering on the brink of insolvency. The legislature made it worse by approving a pension sweetener for Chicago firefighters. So where has she really made progress on the structural issues like pension reform? He, she hasn't gotten the state to help at all. What's going on here and what needs to be done? Well, I, I think you put your finger on uh, a really important uh, observation uh, about the failure to be able to get the state to help at all. Uh, and in fact, the state is making matters worse with uh, adding some ch- very technical changes to the firefighters contract, for example, that is increasing her cost of pensions by around $30 million per year. And it looks like the same thing will be coming to the with the police uh, retirees to the order of a, maybe $100 million a year. That doesn't help when you're trying to address these huge structural problems that the city of Chicago has. I do remember when she delivered her first budget um, that some of these techniques were, as you described, uh, seemed to be one time you can only sweep the accounts and collect money and, and put it towards other uses uh, so many times and really have any real impact. And so I was really wondering when she delivered her second budget, whether she would come up with uh, with similar um, techniques that would have any material effect. And, and she somehow did find them. The one thing that you didn't touch on that I think is very important is the property tax increase and her decision to index increases in property taxes uh, so that she and other uh, other politicians don't have to every year tell voters, hey, we're raising your property taxes. Now, there are arguments for why um, the city council and the mayor should need to do that in terms of accountability, but in terms of potentially freeing up resources, uh, that was an an interesting move, and I think one that does uh, uh, potentially benefit her bookkeeping, if nothing else. It uh, it, It might not make things any easier for people who live in Chicago and have to pay those property taxes that will steadily increase. But it is an important structural change uh, that should not be overlooked. I agree with that. And I think it should have been done all along. Richard M. Daly had such an aversion to raising property taxes that he raised them only twice, like 1% or something. And Chicago fell further and further and further behind the suburbs and having a property tax that really coincides with the reality of pensions and the need to fund them. 
The environment. Let's talk about that. We have Hilco demolition debacle in Little Village. We have the now stalled permit for General Iron to move to a southeast side area that has long been Chicago's dumping ground. And we have an air pollution ordinance that critics contend is too weak. How is she doing there? Uh, This is part of the larger fabric of issues in which she has deeply disappointed the people who saw her and projected onto her sort of a progressive agenda, um, which really has not come to light, um, except perhaps in the um, in the shape of the Invest Southwest initiative, which tries which intends to, uh, to direct redirect uh, city money toward investment on the south and west sides. As regards the environment, there's no doubt that the move of the General Iron Shredder from Base Lincoln Park down to the southeast side, which has been an environmental dumping ground since long before you and I were on this planet, Fran. Um, it is is almost emblematic of what the critics would call environmental racism. This is taking a problem that was affecting a uh, a wealthy, uh, gentrifying, uh, mainly white neighborhood, and moving it to the southeast side to people who um, have have really no resources with which to remain healthy nor to fight effectively, although, frankly, the fight against the shredder there uh, has been fairly effectively uh, effective. So, um, and then the, the Hilco case, the the big smokestack in Little Village and Pilsen that, uh, that was um, memorably uh, fall, fouled and a huge plume of toxic uh, effluent, you know, spread across uh, those neighborhoods in the midst of a COVID pan- pandemic, and, you know, th- there that's the sort of image when you see those pictures or see that video, that's the sort of image that just sticks in people's minds. And then when the BGA and others began looking into the um, the email, the record of what did the city know and when did they know it about that issue, it does appear that the mayor either knew or, or certainly should have known uh, that this was going to be a potentially going to be a problem. And really, it was a lack of attention to detail uh, at that time. And so those are a couple of examples that um, that she will have a hard time shaking uh, as she um, if she thinks about running for reelection and hopes to uh, um, renew her support from people in the progressive movement in particular uh, who so far seem to be pretty deeply disappointed by this mayor. The Chicago Public Schools, we had the teacher strike, we had another near strike on the reopening agreement, constant tension with the Chicago Teachers Union. Janice Jackson decided not to renew her contract. Her two top aides are leaving, even though one of them would have been the natural choice to replace her. It's been a lost year for the students with remote learning and social isolation isolation. How would you assess her record on education so critical to the city's future? Well, um, if you just look at the results of how are the, uh, how are the students doing, Chicago's uh, education of its students is has actually uh, in recent years um, made some progress. But the litany of issues that you just laid out talk about how messy it has been. And um, and let's take half a step back, though, and, uh, and let's be real here. The, the Chicago Teachers Union 
is um, a sworn enemy of many Chicago mayors, but it seems there's something about this mayor in particular that uh, th- this is just sort of a a war of attrition between a, a mayor and a group of uh, very savvy and effective uh, le- leaders of the CTU who uh, who want nothing but um, but trouble for this mayor because they they don't believe in her and they see in their opposition to her a way to curry support from their um, their members and to perhaps I, we don't know their political agenda but perhaps get somebody else in the fifth floor of city hall. So um, you mentioned the departure uh, of Janice Jackson and on the same day, uh, two other high level departures being uh, reported. The loss of Janice Jackson, I think is emblematic of some of the problems that Mayor Lightfoot has had far more broadly uh, among the people, her key uh, staff, et cetera. Fran, you've written about this, just the huge level of turnover uh, under this mayor. And, and when you lose somebody like Janice Jackson, who is uh, very widely uh, respected, um, who is, has been relatively apolitical uh, within a, a, you know, a very political environment, uh, is believed to be a professional, is not known to have a political, personal political agenda of her own, um, that's a professional educator who had uh, really earned some pretty good marks from uh, from people in the system and her peers around the country to, to lose somebody like that, uh, really to burn her out. It was apparent from, uh, Janice Jackson's departing remarks. Uh, it, it just speaks to perhaps to a bigger problem of, um, keeping of an, of an executive's ability to keep close to him or her, uh, the key players in their leadership team. And I think by any measure, Janice Jackson, uh, would would have been considered a key player in the city's team of leaders. Yeah, let's talk about play well with others. That category of her report, we've seen problems with Governor Pritzker, with the city council, with her own department heads leaving, turnover, the issue of temperament, the profanity, the hot mic, the FU to President Trump, Uh, The Black Caucus threat, don't ask me for you know what for the next four years if you don't vote for my budget. What does that say about Lori Lightfoot, her propensity to lash out, to take things personally, to publicly criticize department heads instead of taking them to the woodshed privately? What about all of that? Well, um, there there are politicians who can be... uh, fairly outrageous, uh, and they use some of their um, outrageous comments to their own benefit. Uh, Whatever, for example, you might think of President Trump and his politics, there's no doubt that his outrageousness was part of, to the extent he was effective, uh, his outrageousness was a tool that he studiously used to advance his agenda. Uh, Lori Lightfoot's peak, her, her, her vulgar statements, uh, her personal, uh, open personal animosity towards some of the people she uh, uh, gets caught up with, uh, doesn't necessarily seem to advance an agenda. It, it feels, it looks more like a lack of discipline on her part. Um, it doesn't really, if, if she were somehow getting something out of that, somehow um, uh, putting down her adversaries instead of 
um, raising their profile, which which seems to have happened in a few places. If if she gets a breakthrough that she wasn't otherwise going to get, then you can say, well, maybe that was worth it. But um, as one example, during the first city council meeting, when she told Ed Burke essentially to sit down and shut up, well, she, you know, Ed Burke sat down and we barely have heard from him since, uh, except for when he tries to stir the pot here and there behind the scenes. Um, uh, so that was an effective use of that sort, sort of tactic. But it appears that in many other instances, it has not been effective. And um, uh, I guess I'm sort of old school this way. I prefer to have mayors and governors and presidents who don't use vulgar language. Um, but some, you know, to, in today's world, maybe maybe that's becoming more acceptable. It's not to me, and I think it probably upsets uh, a lot of people who would otherwise be more inclined to be on her side. Does she have the temperament to be a, an effective mayor of Chicago? Is she collaborative enough? You know, um, a few weeks ago, uh, when uh, Greg Hines of Crane Chicago Business wrote a piece saying that city leaders were starting to look for an alternative to Lori Lightfoot uh, as she headed to the midpoint in her term. I made a bunch of calls and I, I did not find that that in fact was happening, but it did raise the question of, is this mayor, does she have the potential to rise to the job and ultimately become more successful? And if she wants to uh, to possibly be a viable candidate for re-election, I still do believe this mayor has the potential in some respects. Invest Southwest, for example, I think is a big idea. And um, it's not as big as the press releases make it sound, but nevertheless, it it's does. Packaging. Uh, it's a lot of packaging. $750 it, it lot, million in existing funding. You know? Yeah, and yeah, right. You caught that little detail, existing funding. It's not new resources, but she has built some energy around the idea by packaging it well. And that that is leadership, frankly. Um, so I don't have a problem with that. I, it's not surprising she can't find an extra couple hundred million laying around, given some of the financial problems we're talking about. So I point to it as an example of leadership that I think is looking fairly effective. And so she and, and like I said, I do have I, I do think she's done a fairly effective job with the budget, although, as you point out, she hasn't made much problem on some of the structural fixes that need to be need to happen. But when she keeps shooting herself in the foot that she, the way she does, for example, why is she at odds with Governor J.B. Pritzker? I, I mean, is that unsalvageable or can she potentially salvage that relationship and make it something constructive? Can she get something done in Springfield, which so far she's uh, not done very well in. So um, there are some things that she could fix if she chooses to, but it get back, gets back to that question of her personal discipline, her sense of isolation, uh, her, her what what it sometimes appears to be almost a sense of paranoia that that she just is wary of everybody she's dealing with. That um, those are issues that she needs to address because if she can't address those issues, then her chance or her viability, if she chooses to run for re-election, uh, would be compromised. Let's talk about ethics and openness. I hate to use the word transparency. It's become almost trite. But your organization has sued her on various fronts to try to get access to records that she's denying uh, at Navy Pier, her, her emails, her text messages, things like that. And then we have, of course, the issue of the Anjanette Young, the botched police raid on the wrong home of this woman who stood there terrified and naked, pleading with officers that they had the wrong house. Her law department tried to conceal that video. She, she was not open about what she knew and when she knew it. 
about the raid. First said she didn't know until Channel 2 aired the video. And then she admitted that, oops, I found out about it months ago when my staff alerted me to a very bad raid. Has she been has she delivered the ethics reform that promised? She only stripped aldermen of their aldermanic prerogative over licensing and permitting. She hasn't done it on zoning. So where does this whole issue stand? <laughs> well, this is a big one. Um, and openness, I like that, Fran. I would like to stamp out the word transparency as well. Um, uh, openness is really what we're talking about. And uh, this mayor really has been disappointing on the question of openness. And one case in point is uh, the, the, the secret uh, city council meetings that were held at, in the midst of the, the George Floyd um, disturbances uh, that we, um, the BGA, uh, sued to, uh, to stop the city from holding any more illegal meetings like that. Um, under open meetings laws, uh, a meeting of the city council has to be open, the public has to be notified, has to be given an agenda, has to be allowed to participate uh, at, at, and, and be present, et cetera. And none of that um, happened in those instances. So th instead of just acknowledging that she flout flouted the law um, uh, and the, she, she said she won't do it again, but she's continuing to fight our case in court. She can't just say, yeah, we, you were right. I shouldn't have done that, et cetera, and, and move on. And, and so um, uh, the, the city's policy on freedom of information requests has, has been terrible. Uh, she's uh, under state law. The city is required to pay the legal fees of um, anybody who sues under freedom of information if, if the city is not complying with those requests. In her short time as mayor, she's already wrapped up uh, something like $700,000 in fees for lawyers collecting for violations of the Freedom of Information Act law. Uh, Mayor Emanuel, during his terms, uh, altogether racked up about $1.7 million. So in two years, she's a third of the way toward uh, toward matching um, Rahm's uh, uh, abysmal record in that regard. Uh, the Chicago Police Department, which she controls, um, really, uh, it, it, we, I think we looked at it was in in 21 of 29 cases where they had to pay fines, they didn't respond at all to the freedom of information request. No response whatsoever. That is negligence or, or hostile behavior on the part of the city department that should not be allowed to happen. And from a mayor who promised transparency, and I must note, she's a former board member of my organization, the Better Government Association, which is you know the, the lead advocate for openness in government. Um, for, for this mayor to have this d disappointing record is is really a, a surprise. Um, and, and it bespeaks, I guess, the pressures you face once you get into office. Uh, but uh, we would look for a lot better from her, uh, we hope, in the, the second half of her term. So as we wrap up, will she be reelected and should she be? Uh, you, you know, the column I mentioned to you a little while back is is was trying to say that I think there's still hope for this mayor, I, I think there are instances where 
uh, her initial leadership in COVID, for example, even those memes, we've talked about, you know, the negative attributes of her personality, but the memes that went out about you know, Lori Lightfoot with that stern look on her face, keeping people off the lakefront, and it just turned into a sensation on the web. I think she's communicated effectively during COVID, and that's a point of leadership that's important for residents of the city as well. Um, there may be a case to be, to be made, and then the question, of course, will be, uh, well, who's going to beat her? Uh, will Tony Preckwinkle run against her again? I doubt that. Um, but uh, Tony Preckwinkle, the second time around, if she chose, could give this mayor a good run, uh, good run for the office. I don't know who else would emerge who might be able to beat her. Uh, at this point in the mayor's term, they tend to look weak. But the old question comes up. Who are you going to beat me with? And then when they go one on one, uh, then it's, you know, or I, obviously in a pool in the primary, uh, it becomes more of a contest. So I wouldn't write her off completely at this point, but she has a lot of work to do uh, between now and when campaigning starts, uh, if she's going to have a shot. And the grade? Oh, goodness. Um, What'd she get on the midterm? Teacher. Oh, gosh. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I hate to do this grading thing. Um, uh, um, needs improvement. <laughs> works well with others. <laughs> works works well with others is her her the area in which she has the biggest room for growth. I'm going to talk like a like a grade school teacher here. She has a lot of room for growth in the works well with others category. Okay, David Grising, thank you so much for joining us. We will watch with interest whether Lori Lightfoot can turn things around in the next two years, and we will see you all next week. Thank you, Fran. Thank you.